And welcome to Women of the Geek. Bring on the National League edition. Get out of the AL East edition. I'm John Bonus of TrinidadDaily.com with me, Aaron Cleveland of the Athletic.com. Just so you guys know the vibe of the show, about 30 seconds ago I said to John, <laughs> you're impossible. Has anybody ever said you're impossible? And he said, oh yeah, a lot of ex-girlfriends. <laughs> ex-girlfriends, current wife, yeah. podcast partner, business partners. Yeah. So that's the vibe. <laughs> Uh, that we're in here, yeah. That'll it'll be a good show here. Uh, it is uh, what is today? Friday morning. Uh, I'm uh, headed to the Pablo Lopez. Yeah. Well, it's it's Press uh, embargoed, but by the time people listen to this, it'll be <laughs> fine. But uh, the Pablo Lopez extension press conference. I don't know if you guys have heard Pablo Lopez signed an extension. We did like <laughs> on, the, on our last show which was a Patreon-only show for our Patreon subscribers, which you should subscribe to, really, if you're enjoying this. Uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. We did one on Wednesday? Wednesday was the mailbag. Right, but that turned into a no, Pablo Lopez. What Monday was the, Pablo, was the Pablo Lopez one. No, that's how long it's been since then. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to right, the twins. Yeah. <laughs> it's embargo, but come on. Uh, we were doing a regular show, and then halfway through the regular show, I got a my notifications are on for Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> Uh, and he said, uh, "Twins have signed Pablo Lopez to a four-year, seventy-three point five million dollar extension." We're going to talk about that today, right? A little bit, but we immediately talked about it for like thirty minutes, uh, at, like in the moment, kind of <laughs> reacting in real time on the Patreon. It so, was an emergency. Yeah, it turned into an emergency. That was the first. <laughs> like we've had some stuff happen. Transactions will happen during the show. I remember when we used to do K-Fan, like Snow got demoted one time during the show or whatever right, it was. Yeah. But this is the first like real kind of breaking <laughs> right, news yeah. to happen mid-show. So it was kind of interesting to react to that. Hopefully it, it sounded okay. We're going to talk about that today. We'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Twins win the first two at Yankee Stadium and then in very Twins-like fashion, lose the next two and then lose two out of three at Fenway, right. including a very ugly... Uh, finale yesterday where Kenta Maeda ugly intro too. the first game was a little ugly true bizarre but ugly yeah Kenta Maeda gets hit by a uh, like 112 mile an hour liner (laughs) in the foot or the shin or the ankle whatever I think ankle is what they officially said gets knocked off his feet right he's like clearly in extreme pain leaps up like a cat got up (laughs) chased the ball down gold glove (laughs) caliber play throws the guy out at first and then recollapses fetal position yeah in a heap (laughs) and you know yeah by the way this is not making fun of him i would still be on the amazing yeah in the heap it was it was pure adrenaline yes yeah you you do i mean it was we've seen plays in baseball history where a pitcher will get hit and they have like a broken something, and they'll get up and make the play, and then collapse. Like adrenaline, really is amazing thing. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't get off my couch, so I have no real experience with adrenaline allowing me to do things. <laughs> uh, adrenaline is allowing me to do this podcast, even though I'm tired. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. I know play. A thing too about that today. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he walked off under his own power, which is good. Um, he said afterward, first of all, the fact that he was in the clubhouse afterward and didn't immediately go to the, do- the hospital is good. Right. They took him for x-rays. The x-rays were negative, initial x-rays. I'm sure he'll have some more imaging, as they like to say, uh, done, either x-rays or MRI or whatever. 
but it, it sounds like he's relatively optimistic, although as we can talk about in a in a minute or two, it is sort of a even if it's relatively minor injury, which hopefully it is, right. and the initial look seems like it might be, it does provide them with a, a pretty straightforward opportunity to just tell Maeda, take a couple weeks off here, which they had just pushed back. His start was coming on double rest, basically, right, yep. two weeks rest almost, uh, against Boston, and he pitched one, one inning. And coincidentally, they have a TBD sitting out there for Sunday's probable pitcher. Right, which Bailey Ober is lined up. He, that would have been his day to start at AAA yep, exactly. for St. Paul. So, Although Larnick's day to start is Saturday. <laughs> not Larnick's. Who, who are you saying? No, not Larnick. Uh, Louis Varland. Louis Varland. Yeah, 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 yeah. Louis Varland. Um, but yeah, yeah it's going to be Ober. Right? I mean, if they don't go to Ober now, then that's, <laughs> that's a thing. Right. To not go to Ober in this situation. The first time Varland made sense. But so they, they – they go three and four on the road trip, but again, as we talked about, like the order of this thing matters for the vibes and the morale. Like it's the worst way to go three and four, basically. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I other than I guess yeah, I winning the first three and losing the next four, but this is this was pretty close to that. And now they head home starting tonight. Uh, this afternoon they'll do the Pablo Lopez press conference, and then tonight. They will start a three-game series with the Nationals, who are... Supposedly, they'll be starting a three-game yeah, we'll series see. with the Nationals. It was snowing when I was driving over it here. It is just absolute crap weather here Friday night and Saturday. Yeah. And I think maybe even Sunday, it's looking like rain, too. And here's the problem. It's the Nationals. Yeah, they're it's not, not coming This isn't back the White Sox. This isn't Cleveland. Right. This is a, a right. situation caught, created by the change in schedule where you play it, one series against all of the National League teams... You're basically trading some, you know, games within your division against the Royals and the Tigers and everything, against or for a series against all 29 teams, and the additional ones are the National League, and that's great. Except this is one of the furthest National League teams right. they can play, and right. the way it works is you either get a home or a road three game series against right. all the National League teams, except I believe the Brewers, where they play twice two games. Two. Yeah, two you're right. Series. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. like I the designated game series, rival right. or whatever, yep. but. The Nationals are coming here starting tonight for three games. The Twins don't go to Washington to no. play, and the Nationals don't come back to play. So if you don't get these three games in in these next three days, and there's no off days yeah. after that, you're going to then have to find a mutual off day. I know the Twins are going to Philly second week of August. Right, but I don't he, know when they're going to Baltimore. Here's the problem. <laughs> there's very few going to be mutual off days right. available. You don't want to start booking them now. Right. Of course. You know what I mean? Of course. Because you're going to need them. There's going to be circumstances where there's going to be other situations right. as you get deeper in the season and you have even fewer options. I wonder when the Nationals play the Brewers when they come to visit. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see what they're They should are. do my idea, which is just play all three games in one day. It just counts as times three. I could see them finding a joint off day and having to schedule a doubleheader for it or something well, like that. That'd be crazy. I, I think they'll just play. But we'll I, see. I think they will too. I think they'll just play miserable weather. They play three versus what? Ten game homestand with no off days right. right now. Three versus the Nationals who are, I believe, the worst team in the National League. They've gutted their roster compared yeah, five to five you know, and fourteen yeah, or something and, right and now. They, yeah. they look at. Yeah, I took a look. I took a look at that roster. Yesterday. They went. Good Lord, who are you even put on a picture? Yeah, I mean, this is a World <laughs> Series winner from, what, four right. years ago? Yeah. Basically. Right. Yeah. They still have Steven Strasburg. He hasn't pitched Somewhere. in like nine years. But, <laughs> uh, three versus Washington. Then the Yankees come here for three. And then you finish with four versus Kansas City, all again at right. home. Yep. Now, anytime the Yankees are involved, <laughs> it's right. not going to be the easiest task for the Twins especially. But 
I mean, this is one of those spots that we talk about where you can look ahead on the schedule and you're not going to try to predict individual games or even individual series in baseball. It's silly. But when you have a 10-game homestand and it inclu- it's bookended by yeah. a series against the worst team in the National League and probably, well, Oakland exists, the second worst team in the American League, yeah. you have to make some some headway in your record. You, gotta you, have go to six, build- you got to go six and four in this. Yeah, I mean, I would two, say. Two, two out of three, three out of four. And then something against the, the Yankees. Yankees. One, yeah. yeah, one out of three there. Right. Like that. I mean, I would say. My, my guess is they are favorite in six out of ten. How does that sound? Yeah, probably favorite in seven out of ten. I mean, they'll be favored in all well, seven non-Yankees games, I bet. It could be. Yeah. Depends on the pitching matchup. But they don't well, that really... still could be that they're favored in seven out of ten. <laughs> right. Well, true. <laughs> no, I bet, I bet they'll be favored in at least one of the Yankees games. But anyway, this is an opportunity on paper. Again, I mean, the Red Sox series was on paper to win two out of three maybe. But yeah. this certainly, yeah, six out of ten, seven out of ten here uh, in a ten-game homestand. You got these are the points you have to kind of build your record up because if you don't build your record up in a ten game homestand that features two of the five worst teams in baseball, well then your own the only other opportunities to build your record up are against actual you know playoff teams, which as we've right. seen over the years is some, not something you can really count on. But so that's where we're looking at starting tonight. Uh, again, we're recording this uh, eight thirty a.m. on Friday morning. Uh, let's talk a little about the Lopez deal. Which again we reacted in real time to on the on the Patreon side, but and I'm heading over there in like well, four hours or something to to get a few more details. But four years, seventy three point five million. Uh, basically, the deal is buying out. So when they acquired him in January, he had two years of team control right. via arbitration. His his uh, fifth and sixth year of team control. This year he's making five and a half million, five point four five million. Yeah, and then next year via arbitration, if he has a good, you know, healthy season, you're looking at somewhere around ten million, something uh, like that. That was about it. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, could be eight, could be twelve, but somewhere around ten million. So essentially, what they're doing, it, first of all, it's it's pretty uncommon to sign an extension during the season. Yep. Uh, especially for the Twins. Yep. The Twins have typically done it in spring training. Or just straight up during an off season, right. they've very rarely done it a month into the season. So I'm kind of curious to hear some of the detail, how long they were working on it, what kind of motivated that. But essentially, a four, now it's a four year extension, but it's really prepaying for next year, right? Which, guaranteeing next right, year, guaranteeing which is, now unless he mostly guaranteed anyway, unless he got hurt. right, barring a very significant arm injury, right. They were going to bring him back via arbitration, obviously. So you're you're kind of prepaying or guaranteeing his last year of team control at let's say ten million, and then you're adding on three years, which are his first three years of free agency, which are hugely valuable. I mean, the first three years of free agency are what teams are trying to get in all these kind of uh, pre or uh, you know mid twenties pitcher or hitter contract extensions. Well, when when you if you were to hit the market and get like a six year free agent deal. Even though the the deal itself would not be front loaded, the team would be thinking to itself, "Yeah, we're probably going to have right. to write off the last couple years of that, but we're getting more than what we're paying sure. for on the first three. I mean, years you saw that with Donaldson, you see it with Correa. Correa That's right. sort of the mindset. And so, to get, we can talk about Lopez specifically, but just in general, you know, to do a prepay for the final arbitration and then buy out the first three years of free agency. If you do the basic math. Let's call it ten million for the first free agent year. I don't know how the actual contract work out, but it's kind of meaningless because we can do it 
10 million for the free agent or the arbitration year in 2024 and then 63.5 million let's say for the three free agent years so that's 21 million a year something like that that's pretty straightforward it's it's unique i would say and i would argue a win for the team side anytime you can buy out the first three years of a of a good in their prime player uh free agency without it being part of like you said a six or seven or eight or ten or thirteen or a thirteen year deal. And what I mean by that is think of Jose Barrios when the twins traded him. Now they traded him in the middle of a season as opposed to this deal's being signed at, at a month into the season. But effectively they were in a very same service time position, which is Lopez has the rest of this year, or had the rest of this year, and then next year under team control. When the Twins traded Brios, he had the rest of 2021, which was only two months at the time, but the rest of 2021, and then one more year. And so they trade him to Toronto, and Toronto did what the Twins are doing with Lopez and said, we'd like to extend the amount of time we have this guy under control. And I'm sure if you said to Toronto, what are the years you really want to do that? They'd say, eh, first three years. Three years for $21 million. Right, right. something like that. But to get that with Barrios, because he had leverage and he actually was kind of, I think, at the time, pushing to be a free agent after dealing with the Twins, he ended up getting a seven-year deal worth $131 million. Right. Uh, Which is very similar in that... The first year was sort of bought out for around right. eleven million dollars, and so then the, twenty million and then, a year. He had to pay. He was getting six, six guaranteed years after that for twenty million dollars. Right. And so, just in terms of, you know, the risk reward or the level of commitment, the idea that the twin. And I'm not saying it's apples to apples, Lopez and Barrios, and Lopez is signing earlier and all that stuff. But the idea from the team side is identical, which is we got essentially the rest of this year and next year. How can we extend that? In Barrios's case, Barrios said, I'm willing to give you my first three years of free agency as long as you, you're buying out a total of six years of free agency. Right. And that costs six years times $20 million a year. To get Lopez's first three years of free agency, which are going to be age, what, 28, 29, 30? No, 29, 30, and 31. Right. And then not have to buy out any additional years is a huge win. Now, if he stays healthy and he's as good as he looks now, come uh, 20, what, 2027? You right. might be like, dang, I wish we had added four or five, six well, years onto that. But just sure, overall. Right, right. But there's a lot more risk associated with yes, those last four years. With the pitcher, yeah, especially. And, and, you know, there, there's a balancing act here because, on the one hand, you know, you know, Lopez wants to get as many guaranteed years as he can, right? That, that's just a of given, course, right? Yeah. Of course. Uh, on the other hand, he also wants to hit the free agent. Like, if he's going to get another contract, he wants to hit the free agent market at a time where he thinks he's still going to be able to. Most wow. of the time you see an extension like this, the extension ends sometime about the time they're 30 years old because they, they think right. to themselves, this is where I, I want to still get a chance to hit free agency and get – I'm still young enough to get a four- or five-year deal at that point, something like that. So there's a little bit of a trade-off on his part. I'm a, I'm a little surprised it goes all the way through his 31st year. He, he will be – officially a 31-year-old when he hits free agency, right. but he'll be entering his 32-year. 32, 32 I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the other thing, like we said, uh, which we talked a little bit about on the Patreon was, this ends part of what makes this a little more easy deal to do with Lopez as it would to do with some other free agents who are only two years away from, or, or other players who are only two years away from free agency, is he hasn't been paid super well the first two years of that arbitration deal. Yeah, like his I second mean, year he's Brios making. Brios hadn't gone crazy with that. Yeah, he, he, got, what, he was seven more. and a half, eight and a half, something yeah. like that, yeah. 
But yeah, so, he hasn't gotten a huge twelve million dollar payday or something right. like that, so it's still appealing to him. I mean, I don't know. I, obviously, the success or failure of this extension boils down to his health. If he stays healthy Correct. for even you know three of the four years, including this year, right? It's probably a win for the Twins. If he gets hurt and he does have a history of shoulder problems going back, you know, two three years ago, yeah. Then yeah, it's probably not a great extension. That's going to be the case with any long term or multi year deal for a pitcher, which is why the Twins have so uh, have been so steady in avoiding those deals for right. pitchers. But I just think in terms of structure and the actual risk involved, this is about as team friendly an extension or I should say owner-friendly extension right. that you're ever going to find for a 27-year-old, you know, borderline all-star ascending starting pitcher. Right. Like, you're getting the exact years you want, and you're paying $20 million, But I looked into, like, what is $20 million? I realize that's an eye-popping number for people, but, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's kind of like the Buxton situation where we still hear from people who are like – Buxton's got to be healthier, and he's got to play center field, and he's got to be more consistent because they're paying him huge money. And I just always am like, they're not paying him huge money. They're paying him huge money like in the real world. Right. But they're not paying he, – he makes $15 million a year. $15 million a year is not a top uh, 50 or even maybe 100 salary in Major League Baseball. And $20 million or $21 million, let's call it, for Lopez in the, three, the final three years of this deal, that's obviously significant money. But I look like, what does $20 million really get you? Uh, you know, first of all, a few years ago, a few off seasons ago, the Twins were excited that Jake Odorizzi accepted the qualifying offer to return on what was a one-year, eighteen and a half million dollar right. deal. Right. Uh, this three years later, for a better pitcher, right. by yeah. the way, is essentially the same. Now, now the three years is a, of a course, big difference but here's what three years at about twenty million dollars a year has generally gotten you on the free agent market. You know, if you say, well, they were just going to let Lopez play out next right. year yeah. and then walk as a free agent, Chris Bassett who's 34 years old and throws about eight miles an hour slower than, Jorge, uh, than Pablo Lopez. <laughs> right. Keep doing that. Uh, got three years, I think, $63 million from the Mets this offseason. And by the way, people looked at that and were like, oh, that's a pretty reasonable deal because it was short term. Uh, Marcus Stroman, who I would say lacks Lopez's upside but has generally been as good or better than Lopez yeah. over the last right. three or four yeah. years, got three years, $71 million from the Cubs this offseason. Um. Then you can but get, also has some significant injury concerns as well right now, too. He wasn't particularly healthy when he was with the Blue Jays, was he? Or particularly healthy with the uh, yeah, last few, over the last he's few removed, years. I mean, he's been pretty healthy. Yeah. Uh, Taiwan Walker, who was not as good or healthy as Lopez, right, yep. got four years, $72 million this offseason. And then uh, Jamison Tyon, who's been neither as good nor as healthy as Lopez, uh, got four years, $68 million this offseason. So yeah. that's the range of what you're looking at in the three or four, you know, 18 to $22 million a year range, which are good pitchers, but number two, number three starter types or, you know, number two starter types with right. injury concerns. Right. Now, you could lump Lopez into that group right. yeah. fairly, yeah, yeah. probably. Okay, fairly, yeah. But clearly the Twins feel he's sort of ascending. He was fully healthy last year. He's been fully healthy so far for the last year and a half. Uh, but, I mean, I just look at that and I think, all they did is prepay for the arbitration year, which was not going to ever be in question. They were going to pay him $10 million next year to keep him anyway. That was the point of the trade. Right. And then essentially give him the Chris Bassett, Marcus Stroman contract, right. which, yeah. I mean, he's better than I, 
I certainly now we're probably overrating him a tad because he's been so damn good in a Twins uniform so far. Right. Yeah, so we've right. only seen yes. the good exactly of Pablo right. Lopez, yes. but it's possible there's more good to Pablo Lopez than there's ever been before if the improvements he's made so far kind yep. of stick. So yep. I don't know. I view it's always risky. These sorts of long term deals for pitchers are always risky, and if you blow out your arm, you're, you're screwed if you're the team. But I don't know. I have. I mean, it's hard to find a better fit. And a more kind of value retained from a team perspective at this price point or this length of contract. Let's also say this. Twins have not had no luck hitting the free agency market and wow, getting right. a guy like this, right? We haven't seen it at all. Right, and we talked like, about it every GD offseason right. for the last three, four years. Go get one of these top 15 guys that are going to cost, that, are, that have risk associated with them because every free agent starting pitcher has risk associated with them for somebody that's, you could clearly be a number two, number one guy that you're going to have to sign into a four or five year deal, or right? or a three, a three yeah. to five year deal, and you're going to have to be in the twenty million dollar range. And what we keep hearing is, well, you know, they're in the bidding, but they never really came. Well, that's because they're in the bidding with this kind of contract. They're in the bidding yeah. for a contract like this, which is a three year, sixty three million dollar deal or something like that, uh, as opposed to a five year. Uh, $80 million deal or a five-year, you yeah, know, $85 million deal, and you don't get guys like that on the free agent market. Right. So this is, I mean, I, I, you can see why, I mean, certainly from the twin standpoint, I would say it's easy to see from the twin standpoint why they would like this deal. It's a little bit harder maybe from Pablo Lopez's standpoint other than, well, you know, you're walking away with $73 million, yeah. which is exactly I the always downside kinda, here. I exactly. get what you're saying, and we've had this sort of discussion about other extensions, right. and it's always the same, which is why are the player, you know, it's easy to see whether you go back to like the Kepler-Polanco extensions, right. what, five springs ago or right. whatever it yeah. was, and it's like why are the players signing away their ultimate earning potential and upside and everything, you know, to to give the team a f- relatively friendly deal. Well, we saw it with like Miguel Sano when it goes bad, yeah, right, yeah. or we've seen it with some other guys when it goes bad on other teams, which is we tend to overestimate the upside and underestimate the downside right. of a player just kind of wiping out because of injuries or performance yes. or whatever. And the other thing that's just kind of funny, and this goes back to real world versus sports world, which is like we're sitting here in uh, your conference room <laughs> and uh, doing a podcast that you know makes us uh, hundreds of dollars, <laughs> and we're saying, "Man, it's weird that this twenty-seven-year-old uh, man accepted seventy-three and a half million dollars <laughs> for his future." Yeah, fair. And it's like, yep. yeah, I yeah. mean, but it's within that context, it is right, a, yeah, a, a right. viable question. Yeah. Um, I think here's a couple other just random thoughts I had on the on the Lopez deal. Essentially, what they've done with Pablo Lopez is they identified him as a you know good number two, number three starter with upside. They went out and paid a premium for him in a trade in the form of Luis Arise. They also got two prospects okay. in that trade, but it was you know not a beloved trade necessarily at the time. Uh, they then, in the three months that followed, have turned him into a souped-up version of himself. With a brand new pitch right. and another mile and a half on his fastball, and yep. they've kind of streamlined him and worked on the pitch mix, and that was part of the reason, by the way, that they targeted him. They thought he had raw stuff and talent that was not maxed out and also a brain and an ability to sort of synthesize information yep. and a curiosity and willingness to, t- to tweak his pitches, which his reputation – I've talked to Pablo Lopez now – 
a half dozen times. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to. His reputation to. preceded right. him before they traded yes. him. They knew this. And you right. can absolutely see how him coming into camp and them saying, what do you think about throwing a sweeper is different than just a random guy coming into camp and getting that, getting that same right. information. And then once they turned him into a souped-up version of himself, you know, four starts in, they thought, let's see if we can get him locked in at kind of number <laughs> right. two, yeah, number right. three starter money still. Because yeah. we love him. He seems to like it here. The early results are certainly could not be better, almost literally couldn't be better. Right. Yep. And so I wrote this, but that's just an all-around nice piece of front office business there. Yeah, right. You identified an undervalued guy. You targeted him. You paid a premium to get him, but you you know it stings a little bit. An undervalued guy that they probably already had enough of. Like they had a surplus of, yeah. of really good starting pitching. Yeah. Right? Um, you you went out and got him. You brought him in. He has shown immediate improvement in ways that I really think have a chance to stick. And then you signed him to a deal that would have been reasonable the day you traded for him. Right. Like this would have been a re- if they would have traded for him from the Marlins on you know January whatever it was twentieth. And announce this deal the next day, we would have been like, yeah, that's about right for a number two, two starter like Pablo Lopez. If they truly believe, as I do now, that he has the upside to be, you know, a one point five starter or maybe even a number one starter, right. then yeah, you're even getting kind of undervalued there. So they're betting a lot on Lopez, but they had already done that by trading a rise. So right? Why yeah. not? As I as I wrote, double down on it. Like you're yeah. either going to be wrong or you're going to be right on it. Couple other. So now they have, in terms of the rotation. They have Lopez and Joe Ryan through 2027, right. which, you know, that gives you two kind of cemented building blocks in there that you can build around. You also have, you know, Bailey, Bailey Ober. Ober. They're losing potentially Gray, Maui, and Maeda to free agency. Next year, yeah. Right, after this season. So you your front three, you know, on paper, day one of the offseason would probably be Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober. Then you're going to hopefully have Chris Paddock back at that point. Right. For, and you have him under control for two years at that stage. Oh, that's right. No. Because they signed Yeah, 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 because they've got a team option on the second year, right? Yep. Um, then you have Louis Varlin. You have Simeon Woods Richardson. You have whatever David Fester, whatever other prospect has lined up. They're probably going to need one starter, but you're not in bad shape, really. Right. And that, now that doesn't change. Lopez would have been under team control for next year, no matter what, but it gives you an outlook for future years that you can kind of. On the depth chart or on the on the Excel spreadsheet, you can X out those right. boxes yep. too. They also, by the way, have Bucks and Correa simultaneously through twenty twenty eight. Now Correa could be longer, but you do have a couple of like you know you have four spots on the There's roster. Cornerstones, right? And that's in addition to right. you know some of the younger. Guys Miranda have, could be a cornerstone, right? Miranda <laughs> right. um, could be a cornerstone. Let's see, there was one other thing. Yeah, um, Polanco under control for two more years. Or zero more years. Or zero more years. Like. Yeah, right. Depends how he looks, which yeah. we're going to talk about him momentarily because he's uh, on the verge of returning, it sounds like. Uh, let me just make sure I didn't have any other any other notes. I had one other thing on this, which is I, we got some questions when we did a mailbag earlier this week on Patreon. Like, is this make it more or less likely that they would do something similar with Sonny Gray right. or even Tyler Malley or even Kent Maeda, although that looks very unlikely at this point. But Gray especially would is an impending free agent, and they clearly like him, and he's similar in uh, performance or talent, I would say, to yeah. Pablo Lopez. Now he's and a lot older. 33. Which works out well in terms of figuring these True. deals out sometimes. And, yep. you know, to me, if you said... 
forget the four-year component because the four years includes a year of that he already had under team control with Lopez. It's really a three-year extension. Right. The extended part is three right. years. That's right. If you took the three years, $63 million that they're basically adding on, and get, would you sign Sonny Gray to that at 33? And I don't think that's outlandish because we just talked about Chris I Bassett. This, I do it in a second. Right. And, but so He's going to get that. Yeah. I mean, it depends how he finishes the season. But yeah, I mean, Chris Bassett, who's even older and has less stuff right. and less of a track record. Chris Bassett's good. I'm not trying to crap on him. But uh, yeah, I do think you know three or four years at 20-something million dollar a year would be kind of the baseline for Sonny Gray as a healthy free agent this offseason. But my sense is Gray's not really – I think he wants to be a free agent. Not because he wants to get out of Minnesota. If anything, I would say Sonny Gray's kind of attitude and vibe yeah. this year has been – not that it was bad last year, but it seems very good this year, like just talking to him. He, sure. he seems like a very – he's in a much better mood and a much more like – Kind of feeling the I vibes think, of this I think team. He likes this rotation. Well, that too. A lot more uh, than he liked last year's rotation. That, yes. As we do, as we all do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Except for uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bundy and Mr. and Mrs. Archer uh, and Sm- Mr. and Mrs. Smeltzer, who they're probably big fans of the show. He got called up by the Marlins, Delvin Smeltzer. I don't know if he's. Uh, he did, and he got the snack kicked out of him in the same game that uh, the Phillies laid down uh, nine runs on Alcantara. Alcantara. Yeah, uh, you're a you're a glass half empty guy. Smelter Smelter got called up and to finish that out and gave up six runs in four innings. So. Well, was he in the majors? Yeah, he was in the majors. Yep. So what I were like we Smelter. doing with our lives? I like Smelter. I gave up zero runs this week, but yeah, I wasn't in the majors. You're such a downer, John. I like David Smelter very much. I mean, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, but but I think something similar for Gray or even Mally at this point. You know, Mally last year at this time. You would have been projecting him for five or six years at twenty million dollars a year, but because of the injuries and the inconsistencies and all that, a three-year, sixty-something million-dollar deal for him might not be crazy out of line either. Except, how can you do that now when you're not really sure what you're investing in at this point? Like he's been okay so far, and the velocity's been fine, but he hasn't been super sharp. I mean, he's the. I'd still do it right now. I mean, I, I think I just. I can't believe he's not going to get a four-year deal from somebody. I could be wrong. I mean, about he ain't going to get much of anything unless he's healthy. I mean, what does he put together oh, at this point? Mally. Oh, oh, yeah, Mally. Yeah. Um, You're talking about Gray. I'm talking about Gray. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know about Mally. We'll see. But with Gray, I think it's going to be more Gray. You know, clearly Pablo Lopez, and we'll get some quotes about this later this afternoon. But clearly, Pablo Lopez was open to this as an idea, as a concept, as right. a yeah, right. you know, just general thought. Where I don't know that. Sonny Gray is like close to it, but I don't know that he's really pushing for it. Prior to this week, if you ask me which of the f- which of the four veterans they have on the staff would be most will- uh, most willing, actually, yeah. I'd say I'll say it this way: if you said the of the entire rotation, which one is the most likely and least likely to sign a long term extension? Yeah, I so, I would have said least likely is Pablo Lopez. Yeah, maybe. I mean, a year and a year and a half. Year plus I didn't think any of them were that likely. Right? No, I didn't either. But I would have said of them all, Lopez is the least likely. Gray would have probably been the most likely. Maybe Joe Ryan, the second most likely. Right. Right. Uh, That's the thing. Maybe about, Joe Ryan would have been most likely. The thing about Joe Ryan is he didn't debut till he was twenty-five. Right. I mean, he's twenty-six already. Right. And they have five more years of Joe Ryan. Right. So, like, you have him through age thirty, 30 anyway. Whatever, right. thirty-one anyway. So, I think with Sonny Gray. You know, we kind of talked about how 
Lopez hasn't had that big payday yet, so he might be more inclined to get a seventy-three and a half million dollar payday and you know bypass whatever chance of a hundred million dollar right, payday. Sure. Well, Sonny Gray has already earned uh, sixty-two million dollars in his career. He's made all-star teams. Yep. He's been traded three times. You know, so the the he's not going to be as wowed by hey, we'll give you sixty-five million dollars or seventy million dollars or whatever. You almost get the sense with him too, like a competitive team is a significant enough factor in his decision True. that. He might take you know a few million dollars less at one place, or maybe even a less guaranteed year. And uh, you pitched that to his else. agent, John. Yeah, I'm not for the I'm less not, money. But you get you get that sense though, talking to Sonny Gray, that he cares a lot if about you whether or not he's got he's in a World Series or has a chance to win a championship with the team. I mean, we're talking about a guy who spent the last uh, five years with the Twins and the Reds, so well, I don't no. know, <laughs> and didn't do real well in New York. So I don't know. That might be uh, well, maybe called projection john yeah. would you if you were a guy would you would he, you that just makes him all the hungrier <laughs> well, okay but that yeah this john's the sunny gray whisperer now <laughs> if you were a if you were a player would it would you emphasize a winning team when you signed a free a big free agent contract it, i mean i would think it would be one of those things where it's it depends where i am in my career maybe yeah. 33 years old i hate to tell you you're on the downslope of your career yeah, well, that's true. i'm yeah. looking at you at john's point, got his leg at this point i'm looking for any winning situation john literally <laughs> had surgeries in each of the past two <laughs> days he's got a giant ice pack on his surgically repaired knee, left knee and it's up on a chair right now and he's telling me where am i at in my career buddy you are lucky you have a career at this point you are in the rich hill throwing 83 mile an hour yeah, fastballs absolutely you are bartola cologne pitching in the mexican league at this point but you're, you're hanging on. I act like I'm a, yeah, a new phenom yeah, who's been called yeah. up. Yeah. I got Dylan Bundy next to me lecturing me on. Yeah. Chris career. Archer can't can't make it through three innings. He's talking shit to another guy. Anyway, before we get to some – we always have injury updates because we cover the Minnesota Twins. But these are, uh, I would say, meaningful and potentially optimistic – or optimism creating yeah. uh, injury updates on the the lineup side. Let's talk about something else that's a winner. Let's talk about beef, John. <laughs> let, let's let's we start with just the the lead here is that we're doing a meat raffle that where you can win enormous amounts of steaks, and we're going to tell you about it as part of this with our new sponsorship from Grody Beef. Grody is G R O T E G R O T E Grody Beef. They are a family in uh, Nurse Strand, Minnesota, which is nor- in, near Northfield area. They've been. Uh, there since 1856, the family has been. And now Joe and Emily are their sixth generation on their farm. And you may have met them because they're at the Twins Daily Opening Day Party uh, a couple weeks ago when we did that thing at Forgotten Star. Uh, they raise Angus beef cattle that are re- selected based on meat quality and tenderness. They're responsibly raised on the farm right there with a diet of grass pasture and then finished on grass and corn. The meat is hormone-free and antibiotic-free. And I got to tell you, it's John's really good. It. Oh, my God. Chrissy, went, we went crazy for a roast that we had like two nights ago. When the boy was back in town, we had big T-bone steaks. These are really – This like, is a steak-eating family. These yes. are really yeah. – these, and I – yeah, trust me. I've eaten a lot of steaks. <laughs> these are in the top Just today. 10% of all the steaks I have eaten. They are really good. They have, uh, you know, ribeye, T-bone, New York strip, sirloin, a lot of different roasts, you know, 80% lean ground beef, 90% ground brisket, which is my favorite. Uh, you know, you uh, do, yeah. And so – You can also get quarter, half, and whole beef options. So that's where you get the best value. And – um they have a couple of beef subscription options. They uh, they don't do delivery because delivering massive amounts of meat. Well, for no, a they do delivery. Business. They just do shit. Right. No shipping. shipping. Right. But let's be clear. 
they will deliver it to you. Right. If you are in the metro area and they have on-farm pickup if you just want to go get your stuff. Right. But And you can see where the food comes from if you do that. So here's the, the meat, meat raffle. Let's talk about the meat raffle part. Uh, the winner of the Gleeman and the Geek meat raffle gets two ribeyes, four T-bones, four sirloins, three roasts, which are three pounds each. And 15 pounds of uh, 90% lean ground beef. It's like 300 bucks, more than 300 bucks in value. It's like here's, 10 steaks, three roasts, 15 pounds of ground yeah. beef. Yes, right. That's take John like 48 hours to eat that. <laughs> uh, they will deliver to enter, they will deliver, hand deliver to any place within 70 miles of Faribault. And that includes the Twin Cities Metro, Rochester, Mankato, Northern Iowa, Western Wisconsin. If you're out of that range, they can meet you someplace in that range. They'll get you the meat. So how do I sign up, though? Uh, you go to Grody Beef, which is G-R-O-T-E beef.com. And then at the top of the website, you'll see it'll say, like, Gleeman and the Geek Meat Raffle. Right. So just click on that, and that's how you enter. That's Super right. easy. And then... If you just want to order some meat in the meantime, while right. you're waiting to see if you won the meat raffle or if you don't win it, uh, any order placed over the next three weeks, if you use the promo code Gleeman, you get 20% off your order. So that's I think I think the contest ends May. We're announcing it on May 5th. So the podcast, not next week, but Couple the week weeks, after. Yeah. So you've got two weeks. You've got till I think, Wednesday, May 3rd to get out there and sign up. So go to GrodyBeef.com. Click the meat raffle. Yep. G-R-O-T-E. O-T-E-Beef.com, uh, or use the promo code Gleeman, and you get 20% off. Uh, our next sponsor. We went from our newest sponsor to our oldest sponsor, Harry's. Harry's.com. Harry's Razors. Uh, we talk about it a lot. I've, I'm a user of Harry's Razors. John, even, is a babyface bonus is a user of Harry's Razors <laughs> occasionally. The twice a year he has to shave. I shave every day now with, uh, with Harry's Razors because what I found out was, uh, even though you can't see any hair on my face, yeah. it's like sandpaper. It's, yeah. it's like a, it's Look like at a John a bragging about pad. Hoff and he's making it out hurts. with his wife of 200 years. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, buddy. Uh, here, here's how Harry's works. They've kind of cut out the middleman. And so they're able to offer high-quality razors at a less expensive price point. And you don't have to go to some store and beg some kid who's, you know, hates his job to go unlock a case and get you the razors. They just <laughs> ship it right to your house. You can pick what you want. You can get on a sort of renewal system or you can right. just, you know, when you when a razor gets old or you lose it or whatever it is, you go sign up. They'll ship it to you. And they've got a brand new razor and razor handle situation going on there that you can get. Their sleekest a- handle yet with the craft handle starter set. Yes. It's valued at 17. You can get it for just 10 bucks as part of this deal. You get a cra- it has a craft handle on the razor. It's got the five blade German engineered cartridge, shaving gel, travel cover. They send us these these and I'm always amazed. It, I always say it. It makes me feel like I'm Don Draper yep. Yep. shaving cuz it's so nice. Uh, and you can get replacement blades anytime you need it for as low as 2 bucks on refills. Here's what you do. Uh, go to uh, harrys.com slash gleeman that's h-a-r-r-y-s dot com slash gleeman and get your $17 craft handle starter set for just 10 bucks this uh, this razor they've got is very cool looking all right so you're gonna like it shut up we're gonna talk about baseball <laughs> uh okay so there's your pablo lopez uh 411 you know obviously any interesting little nuggets we take away from the uh the press conference later, we'll talk about on the Patreon on, on Monday. Monday morning yeah. on the Patreon. Along with we're recapping the Washington Nationals uh, weekend yeah. series, what, what, whatever gets played, and possibly uh, Bailey Ober's return to the majors. They'll play them all. Uh, 
It's a funny email from Nina Zimmerman from the Minnesota Twins about the press conference. <laughs> I got nervous. I go, are they listening to this live that we embargoed the information? I guess, yeah, people, well, we might be in trouble, John. Right. This is going to come out before. When do you want me to do it? Nah. You know, <laughs> just bleep it out. It's embargoed. And I'm like, it's a beep press conference. Could be anything. Okay. Hitting. Let's talk about. Okay. There ain't much to talk about in terms of production, <laughs> but there's a lot of talk uh, in terms one of roster. Real nice game. Sure. One real nice inning. They just announced the Twins extended Pablo Lopez at 9 a.m., so we're oh. good to go. <laughs> Dustin Morris has got the, God. The, the email out there. So. Thank God. <laughs> we're not breaking any new news. Okay. Well, <laughs> embargo is such a. They're going to embargo something that was a, was revealed by a Marlins reporter a week ago. Yeah, well, yeah, Ken Rosenthal, like we said, <laughs> tweeted it out four days ago or whatever. Right. But, you know, I'm, I don't want to get uh, thrown out on the streets, you know. <laughs> uh, here's where the lineup's at. Very similar to last season, especially the second half of last season, where they would occasionally, once a week, once a homestand, once a road trip, have a big explosion, eight runs, ten runs, right. eleven runs, yeah. nine run yeah. inning at Yankee yeah. Stadium, whatever it is. And then the other games would just be, one run, two runs, shutout, three runs. Even yesterday, they scored five, but they were already down a billion to nothing right, yeah. when they scored five. And so I looked. They've played 19 games as of this recording, and seven times out of 19, they've scored zero, one, or two runs, which those are going to be the games you lose almost always. Right. And they've scored four runs or fewer, which is a below-average total. The league right. average is like 4.7 or something like that, I think. Uh, 13 out of the 19 games, which means they've only scored five plus six times. Right. Uh, you know, they've had a couple of double digit ones in there to kind of pad the overall totals. But here's another stat. They've ha- they've scored more than four runs in back to back games twice all season, more than four runs, one of which is live right now. Right. And because they, they scored five yesterday, but a lot of good it did them. It was, you know, garbage time, basically. They're getting almost nothing or have gotten very little from the trio that was supposed to carry them of right-handed right. hitters, which is Correa, Buxton, Miranda. Right. All of them have a OPS a below average. Miranda especially They all has, have an OPS below 700. They all have an OPS lower than Michael A. Taylor right now. Yeah, but you're <laughs> – it's not that far below average. <laughs> yeah. The right, average right. is like 720 maybe, yeah, something like right. that. But Miranda especially has hit for no power and is grounded in a bunch of double plays and just has not – uh, it's kind of taken the next step that we thought was possible so far after last season. If anything, though, you mentioned Michael Taylor. I would say the kind of supporting guys have done a right. decent job. Yeah. Taylor exactly has right. been solid. Yep. Christian Vasquez, yep. who's you know the number eight or nine hitter in every game, has hit in three fifteen. Right. And I would give Donovan Solano some credit filling in at first base, and he's hitting like three twenty. Now, yeah, not got, a lot of power, but we've got a good story coming out. Uh, tomorrow on Twins Daily where that's basically saying Byron Bucks is moving to center field does not fix the offense. So the point sort of is uh, Michael Taylor is actually one of the leading hitters on this team and it's all the players in the power positions right. that are not hitting. The DH isn't hitting. The first baseman isn't hitting. The third baseman isn't hitting. Neither of the corner outfielders are hitting. Yeah. I mean, right, right. now that's a big problem when that happens, but the nice part about that is it, it's one of the more easily addressable problems. Right. Like if you have a catcher shortstop and center fielder who can't hit right it's hard to just be like bring in a new catcher center yeah, fielder and right. shortstop the, right, yeah. odds are they're not gonna be able to hit either but at first base or d or left field or those spots like you mentioned there are some other options including uh some guys my, my mom just texted me and said sorry your blue ch- twitter check is gone <laughs> 
Is she saying like she doesn't trust me as a viable source of? You think she ever trusted you as a viable source? I don't, what a strange thing to text at nine a.m. Who who cares? Uh, what a, Hi Judy. What an odd family I have. She's like, is this the real Gleeman? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so with all that said about the lineup, and it's been the weakest part of the team by far. I mean, we we just mentioned, but. I also think it's only fair to at least wait. Now, this is theoretical too from an injury front, but wait to see what this lineup looks like healthy or mostly healthy ish. Yeah. Now, maybe that moment just never comes, but as of right now, this morning, we're getting pretty close to that, I Here's think. Here's the thing. I mean, we are three weeks into the season, right? Like, th- yes. yeah, three weeks into the season. It 19, started, it 19 started, games. started three weeks ago today. So they're like, what, 11% of the way, 12% of the way through the season? So it's the point where you can start getting concerned, especially when wow. when, yeah. when it's one thing to be concerned about an individual player. Like, I'm not sure that I would be that concerned about any of the individual players. But when you're looking up and down the lineup and you're like, Jesus, any of these individual players going to hit? Because they're all right. doing much worse than you really anticipated, right? The one that is... I think that sticks out right now is Miranda. Yep. Right? Miranda is somebody that I really expected to be a cornerstone of this. I, I, honestly, I thought he might. Well, he's definitely in, in the top three. I was thinking of what I was going to be expecting hitting him, maybe top two. Expecting him to be putting up better offensive numbers than maybe even Correa. Um, power numbers. Probably, power numbers, yeah. especially, right? Uh, and, you know, he's sitting with a. 512 OPS or something like right. that right now. He now, has more double plays grounded into than extra base hits right. at this point. And if you were going to ask me, have you given up on Jose Miranda, my answer would be no. Right. And I, I would not even start to begin to panic about Jose Miranda until about the second week of May, right? But which is, you know, still two, two three weeks away. Right. But, you know, when it's, when it's seemingly everywhere, there's nobody's really hitting, you know, that, you know, I, I don't expect that much out of Nick Gordon, but I expect more than what he's I'm seeing out of Nick Gordon, especially given as much time as bad. he's had and how much time he's gotten in, I think, the middle of the lineup yeah. versus right-handers. No, the weird right? thing, when you're 19 games into the season, like you're saying, you know, it's not time to panic. You're not really supposed to draw meaningful conclusions either way about 19 games. Right. But usually when you're 19 games into a season, if you look at most teams, the numbers are going to be more extreme because, you know, the right. few, the less time there is to kind of – regress towards the mean and average things out and luck evens right. out and all that stuff. Right. You're going to have 500 OPSs, but you're also usually going to have 1,000 OPSs. Right. The, the, right. the flip side. And other than really Joey Gallo, who's well, been a monster, well, that, but he's only played you know eight games or whatever. Right. Yep. That was going to be the second half is that the people who do shine are coming back, but the people who haven't shined right. are not stepping forward. You know, right. Larnick looked be- like a world beater the first week, and he's take, taking some steps back right now, right? Which is to be expected. Like, the guy's, you know, not seen this level of competition, this, I mean, this level of competition and healthy and such and for this time. Their teams are adjusting to him and what he can do. And you've got Gallo, who was, you know, been really good, but then got hurt for a while and, right. you know, stepping out for a little while. And- but Kepler... Returned. Yep. Gallo returned both right. in this series. Uh, Polanco has and Kirloff have moved their rehabs rehab assignments from low A Fort Myers to triple A St. Paul. It sounds like Polanco especially could return at some point this weekend maybe. Right. I would say barring a setback, certainly by Monday yep. um, if they want to kind of 
play it safe a little, have him work out at target field a couple times, maybe take a few more at-bats at St. Paul. But there's some indication he could be back for one of these Nationals games. I mean, yeah. hell, yeah. he could be. In he could be back tonight. He could be back tonight. Yeah. There's nothing stopping him from I doing would be, that. I, I'm almost going to be surprised if he isn't at this point. And then with Kirilov, I think he's a little bit further behind. But Kirilov's been hitting pretty well. Um, he had a couple hits yesterday for St. Paul. He's been playing yeah. first base and both corner outfield spots. You know, it, it's certainly possible that by the middle of this homestand, which, like we said, is a 10-game, three-series homestand, you have both of those guys back, along with Kepler and Gallo back. Right. And that's four – Polanco's a switch hitter, but that's four left-handed bats that are pretty key left-handed bats right. there. yeah. I mean, those are your four on paper, your four right. best left-handed bats. Now, Larnick is in that mix too, but it changes things. Not only are you adding those guys, but you're subtracting some Nick Gordon. You're subtracting – you know, some Donovan Solano against righties. You're subtracting yeah, yeah, you're right. some Willie Castro. Some Willie Castro, yeah. So, but the question also is just literally how are you making space for the guys, those guys on the roster? So right. when Kepler came back, they sent down Walner, which is how Walner got up there sure. in the first place. That right. made sense. When Joey Gallo came back, they sent down Kyle Garlic, which again – that was the move. Well, no, actually, no, Julian was the Julian move. Julian was the move, right. but we talked about this. Yes. By the way, again, if you're missing the Patriots, we're talking about this stuff all week. We, yeah. when, when we recognized that uh, that Gallo was probably coming back, we had a little debate on whether it would be Julian versus, yes. uh, and versus uh, Garlic. So you send down Garlic, which, okay, that's fine. They're keeping Garlic at AAA. I still think Garlic is one of their 13 best position players, given the, the I role think so too, fills. and they will but, be facing a lefty on right. Sunday, too. So, But the question now is, okay, Polanco comes back. The easiest thing there, just in terms of playing time, would be to send down Julian. Julian. Yep. And he's certainly been inconsistent. He's had basically two big games yeah. and then, you know, six nothing games. Right. Uh, but, you know, overall, he's got an above average OPS. He's hit a couple of homers. Uh, I don't think his defense at second base has been terrible by any means. It's been fine. But the question is if Polanco's coming back and even if he's playing. You know, four out of every five yeah. games or three out of every four games, you know, you have Nick Gordon filling at second or you have whoever filling at second. Is there going to be a spot for Julian because he can't DH right. because Buxton is there and they haven't really haven't shown really any signs of base. playing him right. at first base? So. Yeah. The the easiest, if you take a look at the Twins roster, you know, you're bringing back an infielder, you could potentially send down a Willie Castro, right? right? That um, From a Purely roster standpoint, I think right. you can make he's, that argument. He's been – I think he only has 25 at-bats, and he's been on the roster since opening day. Right. Obviously. On the other hand, <laughs> the question, like you said, though, is, yeah, but why are we keeping Julian on the roster if we can't find playing time for him? Right. And where do we find playing time for him? Right. Unless he's going to play some first base and or some left field, which he's right. played both of those in the past, just not recently. Right. Uh, and there's no real indication that Baldelli's planning to do that, then, yeah, is he better off? And you can't send down Nick Gordon. Nick Gordon's out of right. options. Out of options. Like, I mean, that, that would be another yeah, – you could that, cut would be Nick an, that would be another obvious right. obvious or potential move, right? You're getting rid of one infielder. You're bringing back another infielder. You've got – you know, they're both left-handed bats. A, yes. you know, like, but what makes it tricky is we're discussing this in terms of who goes for Polanco. Right. Which is going to happen at some point in the next 72 hours, probably. But And you might have a preference there. You might just say, make it Willie Castro and keep your best bats and figure right. it out. Or you might say, send Julian back to Tripway, let him play every day, and you know he'll be needed in a month, and they'll, he'll be ready to go. 
but whatever decision you make there is only uh, <laughs> holding things down for like three more days well, until Kirloff probably comes back on which Tuesday. Is another left-handed <laughs> cornerback. Yeah. And at that point, I don't know how you have room for Julian because then he can't even play first you base. Absolutely don't. And so if that's the case, then you know, do you keep Julian for an extra three days just to see kind of what you have in Polanco? One of which is against their left-handed pitcher. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, even more so, you know. But so if we assume, let's just assume, let's take these as sort of a, a combo of moves: the return of Polanco and the return to Kirloff. Right. Because the order in which they happen isn't that important. Right. Like yeah, a week right. from now, the roster is yeah. either going to be this way or this. It way. only matters to the rookie trying to get some service <laughs> right. time. And major league pay- yeah. paychecks. Don't by get the me day. wrong. The extra three days in the majors, <laughs> which is worth like fifteen grand or whatever, right. more than that probably. Right. You know, I'm not going to say that's not nothing. But <laughs> you can either, I think, I, I think the most obvious would be Julian and Castro. Right, Julian isn't going to have playing time if Polanco is playing second base and Castro is just the last position player on the roster right. and he's barely been used. Although Castro is now the backup shortstop unless that's Nick Gordon, which, okay, Nick Gordon's your backup shortstop. That's fine. But the Kyle Farmer's injury, by the way, right. without Kyle Farmer's injury, we'd be having to find another guy to kick off this roster. Yeah, so but, here, yeah but it'd be a lot easier to get rid of Castro if you had Kyle Farmer on the roster. Right, but you'd need a third guy yeah, to kick off the right, roster right, at that right, point because yeah, Farmer would already be on the roster. Right. Uh, what what I'm yeah, wondering is, let's say you send down Julian for Polanco and you don't want, for whatever reason, you don't want to send down Castro for Kirilov because you still feel like you need the infield coverage because now you have a billion corner bats, basically. And I'm, I'm guessing Polanco's not exactly going to be an Ironman initially. Sure. Who are they sending down for Kirilov? And I have two thoughts here that I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I do think these are probably being discussed. One is Larnik, right, yeah. who only made the opening day roster because, because Kirilov, Kirilov right. wasn't available. Yeah. Uh, we were assuming Larnik would start the year at AAA, but Kirilov, who's a left-handed hitting first baseman, started the year on the IL, which pushed Larnik, who's a left-handed hitting corner outfielder, into action. Right. Larnik started great. But he's running into the same problem – I wrote about this yesterday – that he's run into every year, which is he has not shown any ability to hit non-fastballs. Yeah, yeah. And so they just will not throw him fastballs. He got like one fastball against Boston and he hit it 450 feet for a homer. <laughs> right. And then otherwise it's just slop. He just gets change-ups and curveballs and sweepers and, and splitters and everything else. He's He's seeing the fewest fastballs of any hitter in baseball. And if this percentage, which is below 40% fastballs, usually it's about 50%. If he maintained this for a full season, it would be the, the lowest rate of fastballs for any hitter in the pitch tracking era, which is since 08. So the, well, he's getting lots of practice. Yeah. Aaron, that's the, that's for three years news. now. Yeah. So, but with that said, we have shown that he has the ability to come up with big hits. Yes, he does. Against right-hand pitching and guys who are willing to throw him fastballs, he can be one of their better hitters. He has power. He has plate discipline. He's a solid defender in the corners, in my opinion. So are you saying, well, we need to see what Kirilov can do, and the closest kind of stylistic fit for that is Larnick, who has not played particularly well since that first week of the season. Right. On the other hand, Larnick is 26. And the problems for him have been injuries and hitting off-speed pitches. Right. And I don't know that either of those things are necessarily going to get fixed at right. AAA right. if they're well, going to get fixed at all. Exactly right. Yes. Uh, so 
That's what I was thinking. I had the same exact thought. Like, what is he going to do at AAA other than just hit the snot right. over the ball? Well, I mean, he'll see off-speed pitches. They'll just be not as good off-speed mm. pitches. Uh, and I would guess that AAA pitchers are more willing to pitch him fastballs because the games are higher or lower stakes. So they're yeah. not as obsessed with you know trying to squeeze out every ounce of value. Here's the other possibility, uh, which is not going to be popular. But and I, I'm, I, I wonder again. If, I'm not saying they're going to do this. I've got two more possibilities. Okay, go but, ahead. You know, we're talking about who's going to go to make room for Alex Kirilov. You know, they could do what they did last year, which is activate Alex Kirilov from the injured list and just option him to yeah, AAA well, yeah. and just I say I two options beyond that. Keep going. Okay. Because <laughs> I thought the same thing. That's that I think is probably the most likely. As I don't think we see Kirilov back yet. I think they'll give him another week, but you know, go, well, go but on they the road. Do that to, anyway. Go on I mean, the he road has another roster. week, I think, left in the rehab assignment. Right. I'm saying beyond a rehab assignment, right, right. there's nothing stopping them from just sending him to AAA. He has right. options remaining. Yep. He's a 24 year old player. He hasn't proven anything in the majors from a health standpoint. You know, we saw them do that essentially last year. But again, with him, I would argue, in terms of that being viable, there's two problems with that. One, he's like a pitcher with an injury history. Do you want him wasting bullets right. in St. Paul? Do you want him wasting swings, healthy swings, well, in St. Paul? Similarly to Larnick, what's he doing? This is my other point. Right, he crushes triple A pitching. Right. He crushes double A pitching. He crushes single. Like that's not in doubt. He was triple A player of the month last year when they sent him there, and he was he wasn't even fully healthy. He was destroying. He was hitting three ninety with power or whatever. But those that's the decision point now. The most, the easiest path there is just send down Julian and send down Castro, and you're a little bat heavy as opposed to fielding heavy at right. that point in the infield. Uh, but you still have Gordon I mean, you, in a backup role. Yeah, you then. Gordon at the backup shortstop. That's right. the key. And key he can position. play second on. And days. the problem is, how are you? Like you said, how are you getting everybody at bats that is on this roster? Right. How are you getting both Kirilov and Larnick at bats? That's right. That's well, not a simple. Gordon s- loses all of his outfield at bats then at that point, or his corner outfield at bats at that point. Right. But and you still have some that many corner outfield at bats. So, and I mean, it's not like. It's not like any of them are hitting right-handed, so they get some special extras versus left-handed. Yeah, let me give you let me give you two more other options. The one that you mentioned earlier, which I don't think is at all possible, is they, you know, they get rid of Nick Gordon, right. which I just you know they do. I'd be have, surprised if I, they change their I'd entire tune on him based on forty-four bad at bats or whatever. I'll give you one other one, which also would be not be popular. What if they send Jose Miranda back down to third? Back down to or if they do what they did last year, which is send him down for 11 hours and call him back up before he even <laughs> appears in St. Paul, that fixed him last year. I mean, year. the problem there is that he's the right-handed bat. You know, right. you're, so you're replacing a right-handed bat with a left-handed bat there. But the other problem they, there is they, who's playing third base then? Well, yeah, I mean, then it's probably Castro, right? Yeah, how's or, that? Or but, Julian? Oh, Julian's Julian. already been sent down. Play Julian at third. Uh, that's the thing. How does that? Like maybe that's better for Miranda if they think he's fallen into some sort of right. Uh, mental trap here or whatever but i, yeah, I, I don't, don't really see a third baseman else on the roster no, that's You're the right, problem, yeah. kyle farmer's out and yeah. you know royce lewis isn't healthy solano mm, i do you want to be playing solano he was every there, day he, he there, played there yesterday didn't he did solano play some third base yesterday in the, that late switch oh maybe i mean they had they had gallo in center they had willie castro <laughs> willie pitching, castro pitching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh i'm curious to see what kind of arm willie castro has 40 miles an hour first pitch <laughs> Yeah. yeah. To put that in context, you, the person listening to this, no matter who you are, you could throw 40 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, before we get to some other uh, lineup-related uh, domino effects, I guess. Or Let's talk about some of our other favorite sponsors. Forgotten Star Brewing. 
Uh, listen, uh, those people who went to the charity week this week, I think it goes through Sunday. Uh, they appreciate it. They had their first annual charity week where every every uh, every uh, day they had sponsored a different charity and uh, gave away some money to them based on how many uh, beers they sold. Uh, I should just mention they have stuff like this going on all the time, every week, right? They offer a weekly taproom yoga on Saturday mornings at 10.30 a.m. That's one of Aaron's favorites yeah. things to do. Trivia uh, on Thursday nights. Trivia on Thursday nights, which we are we are big trivia fans. The Twins Beat Writers, big trivia fans. They also now new uh, Sunday Night Baseball Happy Hour, That's which right. uh, $4 taps. You can go watch Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, May the 4th for trivia, they're having a special Star Wars May the 4th Be With You themed trivia night so you can go check that stuff out uh, if you're a star wars fan if you're twins twins or it's, one, uh, of, it's fan. one of john's favorite breweries and that's saying something because john has uh, been to every brewery in the twin cities five times <laughs> minimally uh, it's uh on east river road and 49th ave northeast it's technically fridley but it's like 12 15 minutes from downtown minneapolis a big old building that john loves won a gold medal of the great american beer they also got an award yesterday minnesota craft brewers i don't know which one it was i saw their name in one as one of the ones that uh, was around so anyway check out forgotten star uh, open every day uh noon uh they always there's always have at least a charity beer on tap and they've also got 12 beers on tap with a focus to true style beers open every day at noon every even mondays and tuesdays so check out Forgotten uh, star also get sunday Sunday is a sponsor for a while now. Yes. And it, <laughs> even though it's snowing potentially tomorrow, <laughs> it will at some point cease snowing, in which case you're going to want to probably act in a hurry because you're a little late here to get your lawn looking good. You don't want to be the, the one house on the block that everyone drives past and goes, ugh, they're ruining the whole vibe of the neighborhood with your bad lawn. <laughs> uh, the, the thing that Sunday offers is you put in your address. And they kind of take an overhead view of your plot of land, and they tell you how much of the stuff you'll need to make your lawn look good. But they also can tell you what kind of soil it is, what kind of irrigation it is, and they can kind of tailor what they send you specifically to your exact lawn. Then you just attach it to your hose, and it's as easy as that. Right. They've basically made a custom thing for you to put on your lawn to make it look good. Um, it's easy. It's affordable. You can get full season plans from Sunday starting at just 109 bucks, and our listeners can get 20% off. So full season plans start at 109 and you can get 20% off when you go to getsunday.com slash gleeman20, 20 like the 20% off. And that, it's Sunday like the day of the week. So it's getsunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y, getsunday.com slash gleeman20 when you check out. That's 20% off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash Gleeman20. I know we had at least one listener get that this week because they reached out to me and we're so excited about it. Yeah? So get, get that, that 20% off saved them some good good, good change. So Let's see. Um, <coughs> lineup. I have a lot more stuff here. but Let's talk more about the lineup. <laughs> yeah. They don't deserve to be talked about. I, I, one of the things I like about <laughs> sending down Willie Castor, even though it kind of, you know, is that he could spend some time at AAA. Yeah, but what is he benefiting from AAA? He's 27 years old. It, um, I just, if you take a look at his career with the Tigers, and it looked to me like he was rushed. He was rushed to the majors. Well, yeah, but he so, spent four years in the majors. Yes, he did. Right, but, like, but he never did anything there. <laughs> well, but That's my point. Is rushed I would like, towards I would like what? Him, he's, I would like, he's got 1,000 at-bats in the majors. You think he's going to go to AAA and learn something? Well, he, 
Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, out of, getting out of that Tigers organization? I, I would say that's wildly optimistic. Yeah. For I mean, I think... Listen, there's certainly a chance he just is who he is. Right? I'm not saying but, he wasn't rushed. I'm saying it's too late for that to matter. Yeah. Like, that, that you're, you're horse is out of the barn. I mean, he has, like... I, I think people may not realize how many... Plate appearances. No, I know he had he for yeah. the Tigers. I bet she's got two thousand plate appearances. I mean, he's the Tigers, got a thousand no, something for something sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's going to go to Trip Boy for a month and catch fire and come back. I mean, he is. We saw it yesterday. He swung at a pitch that hit him in the leg. <laughs> That's Willie Castro. Uh, he's fast yes, and he he's got a good arm and he can in theoretically field every position. But you know, there's a reason that they used him for you know 24 at bats in the first 19 games or something and he's a fine last guy. Did he have a home run yesterday too? Yes. He was <laughs> yeah. he was uh the I might look this up. Let me hold on. Let me get the stat right cuz I tweeted it and I don't want to misrepresent uh what I've discovered on baseball reference. But Willie Castro was just the third Twins player in the designated hitter era which started in 1973. So we're looking at 50 years. Right. Uh, the third player in the DH era to both pitch and hit a home run in the same game. And it's a hell of a list. <laughs> it is Willie Castro yesterday yeah. in Boston. Williams asked the deal in August of 2021. Okay. And Chris Jimenez in September of 2018. Really? Now, those were all the same circumstance. They, right. It was a blowout. Right. And a guy. A guy in. had homered early in the game and. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't even know. Probably. I mean, Castro homered after he pitched, I believe. No, the inning before he pitched. Uh, okay. Here's the other stat that's crazy, though. If you then include the pre-DH era when pitchers were actually hitting, right. so this was much more common, Right. Uh, there's been a total of 39 times in Twins history that a player has homered and pitched in the same game. And of those 39, 14 of the 39 were, were Jim Cott. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's an amazing stat. I was going to guess Mudcat Grant, but okay. No, he didn't even. He played one year with the Twins. So he did, did two years with the Twins. Huh. Um, one of them was a very I good thought he, I thought he had more time than that than with us. Okay. Uh, 14 times, Jim Cott. Uh, so Jim Cott's at least 14 times as good as Willie Castro is what I'm saying. <laughs> you would not argue about sending Jim Cott back can, to AAA. Yeah, can we send him down? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. A couple other. Um, yeah, we talked about Larnick. Here's what I'll say about Kirilov, assuming he comes back in the next, I don't know, week. Right. And actually is activated by the Twins. The thing to watch for him, you know, he tends to, obviously, you know, if he swings and he starts grabbing his arm or something like that, or afterward he said, I'm in rough shape or whatever. Right. But if he's just playing and seemingly fine, the the kind of giveaways with him that we've seen in the past, because this is now the third year he's trying to basically do this to play through or come back from this lingering ongoing wrist problem that he's had two surgeries on uh it's exit velocity right? it's two well i would say two <laughs> things that's one of them you're right 50 percent uh it's and this may seem simplistic but how hard is he hitting the, the ball <laughs> yeah, right you know yeah, if yeah. he goes three for four but there are a couple of bloop singles to the opposite field that ain't that's life. not necessarily right. what you're wanting to see yeah if he's going Meanwhile, one for four but he has two line drives to left right to, or he flies field, out right. to the warning yeah, track right. or whatever yeah. but then beyond that the thing we've definitely seen from him in the stints where he's had some success or been able to play, but at the end of it reveals, oh, I've been in pain here, I've been swinging here, and then he gets shut down. A lot of ground balls. And uh, it's just that his okay. swing mechanics are not normal when his wrist hurts, yeah, yeah. and he kind of has to cheat on certain pitches or he can't get the full extension. So 
it's not that he needs to be stamp. hitting fly balls, but if he's kind of turning and, and chopping balls to second base over and over, uh, basically if he looks like a right. Max Kepler or Joe Maurer at the end of his career, that's also a bad sign. You want him elevating the ball and you want him hitting the ball hard. And as long as that's happening, the actual hits and the batting average and the OPS and all that yeah. is of less concern than how is the ball coming off his bat, basically. I mean, that, that was our first impression of him, right? Just, this guy is... One for tw- one for twenty three, but he's hitting but he, rockets, but he's hitting everywhere. rockets yeah. everywhere. We knew he was going to be fine, and then later yes. on, he was better. But he was. Um, is there any place online that you can see exit velocities for minor league at bats? Yes, like baseball, baseball Savant has it for minor leagues mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Good. Yeah, I, I, he, I was getting reports on him from Fort. I was getting reports on both him and Polanco from Fort Myers. He was hit. He's been hitting the ball hard. You know, hundred mile plus uh, exit That's velocities and all really that. Encouraging. So we'll see. Um, I mean, I was, I was not that particularly optimistic of him coming up there. But if they're seeing that, and I'm sure they're seeing that, but we saw that last year. He right. won Triple A Player of the Month. Right. right. Yeah. He was destroying the ball. Right. And then a month later, he had surgery. Yeah. And right. he was done. Right. Uh, it's not so much can he get healthy. It's can he He's maintain stayed. that right. through swinging constantly. And the answer so far has been no. But well, I mean, maybe that does give a. <laughs> Uh, reason to call him up when you don't know that you're going to be able to get him consistent at bats. You know, when you bring him up and he and Larnick are not platooning, but sort of siphoning off of at bats from each other. And, you know, th- that gives Kirilov's wrist a little bit of a break in between some of these things. Well, I guess, but you're going to play him every day against righties anyway. I mean, what's the point of having him in the majors if you're not going to play him? Right? I mean, I mean, you know, if you've got, I mean, just taking a look at the who we've got on the roster, though. You know, you got you're playing Kepler every day against righties. You're playing Gallo every day against righties. You're playing Larnick every day against righties. Mm-hmm. You're playing. I mean, where is he well, playing? This is <laughs> you're playing Buxton every day. I don't know right. that Gal uh, that right. Larnick and Kirilov are going to be on the same roster at right. the same time. That's why I'm yeah. saying that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was one other, um, or maybe they're starting each of those guys three out of every four games versus righties. Right. Something. I like mean, that. Gallo could play some center. Yeah, Gallo could play true. some third, for well, that matter, true. if you really want to that's get true. wacky with it. But that's where he came up with the Rangers. He's played some third base. That's interesting. I mean, I'm not expecting that, but uh, there's one other thing. I mean, okay, two two last notes, and then we'll do a couple pitching notes, and we'll get out of here. But Buxton at the DH spot, we've talked about kind of the domino effect of that, which is you're playing Taylor essentially every day in center. You can't bring back Kirloff as a DH. You can't have Julian as a DH. You can't have Larnick as a DH. It limits, you know, it's the basis for this kind of should they do this or should they do that? If the DH spot was open, it would be just a much different story. I might be arguing if they were cycling guys through the DH spot like they planned right. to last year, I might be arguing for Julian to stay. Right. I'd certainly not be arguing for them to send down either Kirloff or Larnick because there'd be room right. for both of them. I might be arguing for Matt Walner. I'd be arguing for some big bat, obviously. Um, but within that, Buxton has been started well, went into a prolonged slump. Actually, hit hit the ball okay. Yeah, last couple in, games. In the Boston series. Yep. But he's played 17 of the 19 games so far. He started 16 of the 19 games. Yeah. He came off the bench once. Uh, you know, every time he sits, a certain segment of the fan base just gets furious. How? Why is the DH <laughs> sitting like no DH has ever taken a day off? And I get that. It does seem it's odd. But, you know, it's April. He's just because he's only hitting doesn't mean that they want him playing every single day. And ultimately, if he's starting 16 out of every 19 games or playing 17 out of every 19 games, right. 
Well, that's that's a, that was that's the, precisely the outcome that they would sign up for at the beginning of the season. I mean, that was that work out to you doing the math? Yeah, yeah. one forty-four, yeah, one hundred forty-five I mean, games of the season. Right. His goal, he did what to say the, the twins, other day, saying one hundred thirty is the right. Is, to say the twins would sign up for that is a right. massive understatement. Right. Uh, so now you you need him to start hitting, especially yeah. when he's only a DH. But just in terms of having Buxton in the lineup, that has worked out exactly as they had kind of planned. He's been the full-time DH. He's taken basically one day off every couple uh, a couple series, not even like every 10 days essentially yeah. uh, so far. So that's something to watch. And then the other thing, maybe this doesn't need saying, but we can say it anyway, with Julian, with Walner, for that matter, with Miranda, but certainly you know, as we get deeper into the season and if someone like uh, Royce Lewis returns or Austin Martin or you know whoever Brooks Lee whenever he makes his debut this is how prospects work you know I know we wanted to plug in uh, Walner and have him hit five homers and make everyone forget about Max Kepler forever and I know I'm hugely high on Ed Julian and I think he's looked okay so far but he's got, you know, nine strikeouts and one walk and basically two good games and six bad ones and all. This is how prospects work. Once in a while, you get a prospect who just sure. shows up and just crushes. Royce Lewis. Yeah, true. <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, some of the best players in the history of the Twins offensively, including like Justin Morneau, Torrey Hunter right. famously, yep. uh, came up, stayed for a while, struggled, sent back down, sometimes called back up, struggled again, sent back down, and then it takes a while for that to click. And so I know when people are looking at Walner going over whatever 10 uh, in this stint or even Julian you know, hitting 220 or whatever it's been so far, people are going to go, these are the guys we are waiting for? Well, yeah. (laughs) You got to get this out of the way so that the next time they get called up or the next time after that they get called up that they got a little more experience, they know what to expect, you know they've they've had some some reps against major league pitching. At some point, it's going to click. We saw that with Miranda last year. Unfortunately, now he's back to a spot where we're talking about this again with Miranda. But right. Miranda, through the first twenty games he played last year, looked completely lost. Yes, he was Miranda lost, from right. game you know twenty one through a hundred yep. was one of their best players. Right. And so that's I think what I would warn against with you know prospects. Again, it's kind of like what we're talking about with Kirloff. Like, are they hitting the ball hard? Are they not chasing pitches out of the strike zone? You know, there's going to be some swing and miss there. They're going to make a boneheaded play on the bases or, you know, not convert a ball defensively. That's just how things go. But if you want to kind of look below the surface of the batting average or the OPS or whatever for a guy like Julian or even a guy like Walner, are they swinging at strikes? When they put the ball in play, are they hitting it hard somewhere? And are they, you know, at least competent defensively? And I certainly think Julian so far has been that. I mean, he's swung through some fastballs with two strikes. That's, you know, not going to look great. But that's kind of the point of a prospect is the the, the fastballs you swing through on 2-2 uh, at Fenway Park in your first week in the majors, you hit hard somewhere on 2-2 in your second month in the majors. And yeah. that's – you got to get the first two weeks right. until you get to the second month. So I would just it's caution all, I against – I think it's also uh, why we're – I don't think either of us are hitting the panic button when it comes to this offense. The offense has not looked right. good. You gave us a litany of stats about how bad they have not looked, how yeah. bad they have looked, right? Uh, but there does seem to be enough options and enough ceiling potential uh, amongst enough players 
that you're not you're not sitting there looking at things. Now it might also be that we are uh, jaded based on last season's you know end of season lineups that we saw, where you saw not just six guys who you didn't expect to hit, but six guys you never expected to see hit. Right. Like you know, this time we've got six guys who aren't hitting, but. You know, they all look like they could be. They should be some progression well, to the mean amongst all of right. these. And, and, me, there, and there's another four sitting there that could also have some progression to the mean. Yeah, I mean, if they, right. if they can get mostly healthy, which they could be on the verge of doing. I mean, if if Polanco and Kirilov come back, yeah. that's your well, healthy. We'll have group. to see what version of them right. comes back, right? And and here's the other thing, you know, if if Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, and Jose Miranda are going to each have below average OPS. I have bad news for the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> right, it's yeah, not right. none of this other stuff is going to matter. Well, yeah. And so you either have faith in Carlos Correa being good, right, and Byron Buxton being good, and you know for that matter Jorge Polanco, and, or they're screwed no matter what. Like there's no if you say yeah Buxton Correa and Miranda are going to end the year you know with a combined six eighty OPS. There's not. There's no amount of dots you can connect with other hitters to make up for that. It's not like, well, yeah, but you know, Kepler's going to turn it around, and <laughs> Kirilov's going to be. No, that might get him to you know, below slightly below average. Right, yeah, but right. if your three best hitters on paper are not performing, you're going to be in trouble offensively. And I don't think there's any reason to think that's going to continue. Uh, you know, if you want to give me odds on. You know, Carlos Correa finishing with a below average OPS, I'll, right. I'll put any amount of money on that you want. But until that right. happens, until they start clicking, especially when they're batting two, three, five, or whatever, or one, two, four, like it's been in the lineup, you're not going to, you're going to struggle to find consistency or getting a rhythm offensively when your three best hitters are just not performing at a level that they should be. Since we're talking, we're uh, talking a little bit about gambling here. <laughs> oh, talk about the last sponsor. No, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, let's talk this about the sponsor. I was actually going to go a different way. Uh, I was going to go some content, but yeah, this is our about, newest right? sponsor. <laughs> They're called My Bookie. Yes, uh, MLB is back in full swing, and My Bookie can be your one-stop shop for all your betting needs. They have a wide range of betting options, including money lines, run totals, totals, futures. My Bookie gives you plenty of ways to bet on your favorite teams and players. Yeah, you can take advantage of a brand new. My Bookie Money Bag, which gives you the chance to secure a bet on your favorite team or play at insanely boosted odds. You just sign up today at My Bookie and use promo code Gleeman to secure a first deposit bonus of up to 1000 bucks. So I went and did this the other day. You go to My Bookie and you go and you sign up. And then when you get to the point where they want you, okay, do you want to put some money in here? Make sure that you use the promo code Gleeman. And it's simple. You just uh, deposit 200 bucks and play with 300 bucks instantly. Or just use the promo code Gleeman to claim your bonus. So if you're a baseball fan looking to add a little excitement to the season, look no further than my bookie. Sign up now. Get ready to experience the thrill of baseball betting like never before. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Uh, finally, Storyworth. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up. I'm a big fan of Storyworth. I used a slight Storyworth. vibe shift between sponsors. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, right. We've talked about Storyworth in the past. John uh, has got it for family members in the past. Right. It's kind. Here's how I think I would describe it, which is you sign up a mom, a dad, a grandma, an aunt, whatever it is. Right. And you uh, sign all them the up moms for, in your life. Yeah. <laughs> right. For Mother's Day. Let's go right. with moms. Yeah, right. You sign them up for Storyworth, and what they get is kind of a prompt, prompted email. Uh, I think it's once a week, right? Yeah, that's right. Where it's asking them a specific question like, 
And you can you can choose the you can choose right. the questions, you can customize the questions, or you can just go with their questions. They but give it you could the be default as simple question. as like, right. what was your first job as a kid? Yeah. Or what, what was your first what was, whatever? What was your favorite car? Which car the, did you love? The right? idea yeah. is to get, you know, a grandma or whatever talking about their lives, telling stories that they maybe haven't even thought of right. in 40 years right. or that their family has never heard right. because they just think, oh, it's not important. They get prompted. They answer these questions. You can see at each week yep. what they've submitted. You get a copy of the email, what they do, and then I forwarded it to all my siblings. Right. And- but at the end of it, at the end of the year, you can put together a physical book that's kind of almost like a biography right. of, or kind of the best stories that's of right. the person that you're sending it to, which can be a very fun family thing and also can live on as kind yeah. of a memory for these exactly people right. in, in the future years too. So give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years. By the way, it is also, by the way, I should just say, you can also sign up anytime. So if you're running around like at the last minute, don't know what you're to well, give your mom true. for Mother's Day gift. You, that's this probably is all electronic. You don't have to get something mailed to you. For our audience especially. <laughs> I'm sorry. Give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift you both cherish for years. Story worth. Right now, for a limited time, you'll save 10 bucks on your first purchase when you go to Story storyworth.com slash Gleeman. That's S-T-O-R-Y story worth W-O-R-T-H dot com slash Gleeman to save 10 bucks on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash Gleeman. Okay. Um, let's do a little pitching talk here. <clears throat> I would like Started to with Lopez, go to lineup, finish with pitching. We talked about Maeda's ankle. It's hard to really, you know, meaningfully speculate on that. Because these next day or two are going to be key. It's going to be how swollen is it? Can he walk around? Did more imaging reveal a bigger issue than they thought in the moment? All that stuff. I just think given... But I bet you they know by Sunday. And by Sunday is when they're going to have to decide whether or not to call up over. So my assumption is because of how bad it looked and because of it's certainly swollen at the very least... And because they just skipped Maeda's turn in the rotation last time through, and he's coming back from Tommy John, and he's 35, and all that stuff. Um, my assumption is they will place him on the injured list. I, I agree. For the ankle, which is legitimate, right. but it also gives them a way to limit his workload and you know skip a couple turns in the rotation. They have a guy in Bailey Ober who is uh, chomping at the bit here, has thrown back-to-back uh, six shutout innings. At Triple A in his last two starts, I mean, we've talked about Ober before, but I mean, Ober is a major league caliber starter, and I would say a mid rotation yeah. caliber starter, right. and he's too good for Triple A. The circumstances were understandable that got him to Triple A, but they should be kind of looking for opportunities to give Bailey Ober chances. Now, unfortunately, because when they skipped Maeda last time through at Yankee Stadium and pushed back Tyler Malley. They hadn't made that decision yet because they were waiting for Maeda from a t- fatigue standpoint to s- show if he was ready or not. And by the time they decided to skip him last week right. um, at Yankee Stadium, Bailey Ober had pitched the day before. Right. So they went to Louis Varlin. But this, like you said, is an opportunity to look ahead. You know the circumstances. You know there's a starter needed right. for Sunday. You know, hopefully in a day or two. Uh, or let's say by Saturday night, at very least. <laughs> this morning, you'll see how big the ankle is. Right. Well, that's a better way. Thank you. <laughs> right. You'll see the swelling that's yeah, on the ankle If he shows up today. and he looks worse than you after your knee surgery, then yeah. Bailey, he I just undoubtedly think, looks worse than me. Why, why push it? <laughs> well, his leg might look worse than you. It's much better looking than you. He's got the blonde hair. He's got the... Uh, 
I, I just why push it with Kenta Maeda? Even if he shows up this morning and he goes, I feel okay, sore ankle, I'll probably be good in three days. What's accomplished yeah, by that? Yeah. Basically, I mean, I can't imagine they're not going to want to skip at least one start, right? And, and once you do that, you might as well you need a starter for Sunday anyway, right. so it gets tricky. So my assumption is they're going to place him on the IL or at the very least skip his start. In which case, they're going to have to do some roster, you know, uh, maneuvering. Right. But Bailey Ober's coming up to start Sunday is is. 100% what I'm assuming at this point. Right. It could be Louis Varlin, like you said, but I don't know why, unless it's some level punitive, why you would go away from, I'm, from I'm with you. Uh, right. Bailey I'm with Ober. You. Right. Um, I think there's going to be another roster move today, too. Uh, another yeah, pitching roster probably. move. I mean, that they we, we talked a little about this before the podcast. They, you know, they, they talked about how much they wanted a long reliever, and the two times they ma- ma- managed to really need a long reliever, they effed up ha- having a long reliever on their roster. They've, well, only, they've only been without having a long reliever on their roster about three days of the season, and two of them were days that they needed a long which, reliever. Which, by the way, is why we always talk about how it's difficult to <laughs> plan for that role, because right. you can go two weeks without ever having a blowout on either side, winning or losing, <laughs> Right. in which case you go, man, we had Cole Sands up here. He pitched once in 13 days. What was the point of that? And then as soon as you send that guy down or you bring up a non-run right the next day it's an 11 to 1 game in the third inning and you go we- it is being hit on an ankle by a line right. drive i mean it's it but here's the thing about it what's weird about it to me is for the last three years we've seen them be hyper aggressive yeah. on something like that where uh, to the point where we've you know had a gallows humor about it a little bit like oh this guy did a really good job in long relief for him send him down to triple a right. immediately the right better a guy pitches in the long relief <laughs> right. role if it's a expendable guy you know the jarrell cottons the cole sands right. the whoever's you know if you throw 15 pitches you can stick around because you're going to be available the next day or the day after that but if you throw 65 pitches in long relief or 45 right. pitches in long relief three innings four innings you're going to be unavailable for the next three days, and they need a fresh arm, right. so you often get sent down. But So twice on this road trip, they had a chance to, after a really good experience by a guy who was called up from AAA, right. to send him down immediately that night and get another long reliever on this roster. And both times, they didn't. Right. And Varlin both started at Yankee Stadium right. and you know threw six innings and was obviously not going to be available to pitch. Right. And the assumption was he was going to get sent down to AAA anyway. They kept him on the roster for the next day. Now he goes four, three, three point two right. innings, four innings, something like that, and and then and they've got to lean into their long relief. Right when they right. do send Varlin down, they call up Brent Hedrick for his major league debut, <laughs> which he made at Fenway two games ago in the yeah. middle game Did of the help? series. Did a nice job. Got a got a save. Right? Got a save. Yeah, <laughs> I have debut, a funny right? stat got about a statistic that. There. Uh, and he threw I don't know fifty pitches, forty seven pitches. So he's going to be like unavailable that. for several days at right. that point. But they kept him on the roster for the final game in Fenway. At which point Kent Maeda gets knocked out after an inning, <laughs> and now they've got to go to. All of their five, six, seven relievers, right, including of, Moran, who just pitched forty or no twenty nine pitches two days before, and they end up going forty four pitches with him and have to pull him right. with one out left to, to get, go to Willie Castro to go to Willie Castro. So, so they here's now, what I'll so say for today. Though. They've got what they don't probably don't have Moran. Period. Right. I doubt they have Hedrick. They have what right. Pagan. Hedrick's going to get sent down, but P- Pagan and. Alcala both threw 29 pitches. Right, but those are not guys you're hoping to use anyway. Well, no, That's I, the thing no, about No, no, no. Listen, if you're in, the, in it for a win, that's one thing. But if you get somebody knocked out today, you're going to need somebody. Correct. I think it's going to be Hendrick, Hendrick for Sent down for somebody. Right. But I think so too. The, here's the thing. It's, it's tricky because 
purely from a what's best for the team's record, you should immediately send down someone right. that you're planning to send down <laughs> right. and get a fresh arm up. Of course. But there is kind of a – it's almost not moral, no, but no, it's no, like no. – I, th- I think there's something that would be said for – the players in the locker room being like, right. why are we doing this to this it guy? It sucks Just from a save. money and service time standpoint right. that someone like Louis Varlin gets called up and makes a start. Anyone else, when Joe Ryan makes a start, well, he's unavailable for the next four days right. because that's how a starter works. But Louis Varlin is unavailable for the next four days, and they don't want to keep him on the roster for those four right. days. I, I've argued for a long time. That if a guy is called up, not just twins-wise, but just in general, if a player is called up to make a spot start, you should be allowed to option them immediately after the game and call up a fresh arm, but that guy should get four days of service time. Yeah, fair. And I would argue from a reliever standpoint, maybe you could tie it to innings or pitches. If a guy gets called up and pitches, you should always get at least a second the rest day as service time. Yeah. And if you throw 50 pitches, you should get two rest days at service time because otherwise good. you're screwing over these guys and they're never going to get significant service time if every time you pitch is the only day you're in the major. I love that idea. I've got good news for you. The MLBPA completely agrees. Well, <laughs> MLBPA agrees with a lot of stuff that ain't happening. <laughs> right, exactly right. right. Uh, but so in this circumstance, I actually think they did the right thing for the yeah. – interpersonal I agree you know from a humanity standpoint which is we're not going to send you down immediately you get to hang around for another day or two you get to be part of the team on this road trip uh, to the east coast right you get to feel like you contributed you get to feel like you weren't just a mercenary called in to pitch and leave but they just happen to be caught in both those spots where they needed that fresh arm now yesterday even if they would have had a long reliever they were going to use one or two of their actual relievers. The long yeah, reliever right. was not going to pitch yeah, seven innings. He was, was going to go maybe three, maybe four. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Instead, what we saw, and we can finish on this, I guess, but uh, we made it this far without mentioning uh, Emilio Pagan. But <laughs> you should see, by the way, my mentions when Emilio uh, Pagan gives up did, six runs. Did you, did you see Red Ball Stu's story today? No. <laughs> it's timely. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't even tweet about Emilio Pagan because here's what I, I'm – look, obviously, if you've been listening to the show or reading my stuff for a while now, you know my thoughts on Pagan and I think it's odd how the Twins have stuck with him and I think it's odd or a mistake that they brought him back and all this stuff. With that said, that's an extremely difficult spot oh, to put a veteran short reliever in, which is – Especially one that warmed up the last two nights. Sure. He got dry humped the last two right. nights. Which is warming up without pitching. Right. Not, not, John's not commenting on what he did uh, after the game. <laughs> uh, he, we don't have any inside information as far as I know. But if, <laughs> if he did, good for you, Emilio. Uh, it's just a very – you know, when that when Maeda gets hit with that liner and comes out after getting three outs, that was the third out of the game. Right. Um, that call goes to the bullpen, and there's no long reliever available because Kedrick had pitched the night before. Right. And somebody's coming into a real tough spot. Someone is warming right. up an hour and a half before they even imagine they. And that is where you use your veteran that you're not too sure about, right there. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pagan has done a decent job in that type of role. It's just usually not the second inning; it's right. the fifth inning or the sixth inning. And he comes in, and it immediately goes bad. And he gave up, I believe, six hits in a row. He allowed six runs yeah, something like before that. getting out of the inning. Yeah. And it's one of those spots where you know it turned a one nothing game into a seven nothing game, right. and by that point, 
you just say to him, which is one of my favorite uh, baseball isms, yeah. which is you're going to eat it. Yeah. Uh, it, which is to say, well, this game is screwed now. Yeah. We're certainly not going to use six relievers to finish this dumb game that we've already lost. Yeah. So you're just going to have to go out there. And he went out for a second inning at that point. Like he barely got through the first inning, allowing six runs, then went out for two thirds more of an inning. Then they did the same thing essentially with Alcala. And the same thing with Moran, which is they stretched yeah. them to their maximum. The Moran, I was uh, even more surprised about after the yeah. long. He was what, up nearly 30 pitches, I think, in that 10th inning. Right. And two days later, he's coming back and throwing 40 Yeah, I'm surprised something. they didn't just have uh, Willie Castro or whoever the position player deemed the most likely pitcher right. just pitch the whole eighth at that point. Yeah. Like, instead I mean, of. They did have Moran pitch the seventh, though, too. Like, he, was, he pitched two innings, right? Yeah. Well, he got to two yeah, innings because yeah, he got, two, he innings, got right. two outs in yeah, the eighth. 1.2 innings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, having said that about Pagan, <laughs> like if he's low man on the bullpen hierarchy other than the long reliever and you can't kind of throw him to the wolves, which is how those type of roles tend to go. You know, we saw it with like Jarrell Cotton. We saw it with Tyler Thornburg. Whoever the, the worst or the least trusted right. short reliever – they don't get a lot of warning. They don't get right. to really say, I don't like that. They got to come in and perform. And if you can't count on Pagan doing that, that's another kind of chip away from right. whatever's left of his value or purpose on the team. I will say, I don't think, I, I will be surprised. You know, we're going to see in a few hours here, but I will be surprised if he's DFA'd oh, yeah. in part because that's just an extremely difficult, you know, non typical atypical spot for him to pitch and you kept him all second half last year re-signed him put him on the team on opening days for what him to give up six runs in a meaningless you know turned it into a meaningless second inning appearance and then you drop him and also uh, i was watching on tv and i spotted after he was removed from the game baldelli came over this was on bsn sat next to him and had a relatively long conversation that ended with a fist bump and some you know nods of like yes i get it and i'm guessing maybe i'll ask this today baldelli said to him i'm not gonna sugarcoat that was terrible right but you're not being that's not how we're judging you that was a very difficult spot and that's all true and i'm sorry i sorry i had you up in the bullpen the last two nights basically yeah right uh with that said with that said on top of that said he's got a pitch well in something well, here I mean, <laughs> like and actually he was off to a decent start yeah, in was. low leverage but but i mean here's the other thing is what's pushing him out of there nothing no I mean, fresh not like, arms is the only thing that's going to push him out right, at some point I but mean, and we haven't seen you know unlike the hitting side where we're sitting here wondering well does who do we send down to triple a that doesn't really belong at triple a you know it's not like well you know if we want to call up if, if somebody's uh, outstanding at triple a right now we're like boy we really got to get him in the bullpen see what they have it's not like we have to have Alcala and Moran out there either, you know, up here either. Like both of those, I would, I think they're both belong sure. there more than Pagan does, but they could both, neither one has been so outstanding that you're like, well, we can't send them down to AAA for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think next up on AAA, because Trevor McGill, who's on the 40-man roster, has been horrible yeah, at AAA yeah, after amazing. a very bad spring. I would say he's a yeah. DFA candidate if you need a 40-man roster spot. <laughs> uh, Brock Stewart is a minor league signing former uh, Dodgers prospect who's, Throws 95 plus yeah. and is off to a good start at Triple A. So you could potentially add him. He's a short reliever, you know, a middle reliever type. We've talked about some of the long relief options. I think if Josh Winder, who's rehabbing at Triple A now, looked good and healthy, he's 
a a long relief candidate and b a higher upside guy than you know Cole Sands or Brent Hedrick or whatever. He could be called up, but I don't know that he's looked great so far rehabbing, and he's got a history of shoulder problems. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they. I mean, they, <laughs> I would expect them to have at least one fresh arm because you have to at right. some point. Because uh, I mean, if if uh, the start tonight goes bad, yeah. You know, the lowest right. leverage guy is like Caleb Thielbar at this point. You don't want to have him soaking up innings. So they're going to need someone who could go multiple innings in a spot that doesn't matter that much. return of Randy Dobnik on the – or Cole Sands here. You might want to look at Randy Dobnik's uh, oh, no, is it? oh, no, he's not been doing too well? Okay. No. I saw him earlier on. He's not been doing too well. Okay. Uh, I love Randy Dobnik, but he ain't getting called up. <laughs> um, all right. That's good. I got other notes here, but uh, – We'll talk more on the uh, on the Patreon. There's yeah. a, there's a tease, Patreon topics for Monday, possibly. Max Scherzer getting tossed and suspended oh. for the very thing that oh. they accused Domingo Herman of doing at Yankee Stadium uh-huh. and was ignored. Yeah. Um, a new Twins beat writer oh, at yeah. the Star Tribune. Who, yeah, I want to talk to you about that. Well, I was gonna. We don't have time to talk about it here, and uh, just kind of the state of the AL Central. It already kind of looks like a two-team yeah, race. It does here. look like a team. Well, that White Sox are just absolutely. Yeah. I I think they're better than their record. Yeah, but we've been saying that but for like holy ten years. Holy cow! Yeah. So that's topics we didn't cover. They did not come out of that Philly series very, very strong. Uh, okay, we will uh, be back Monday, Monday morning to recap the national series exclusively for our patreon subscribers go sign up for p-a-t-r-e-o-m patreon.com great year to slash gleeman why not right. uh thank you to let's see if i can get all these story worth <laughs> my bookie yep um harry's harry's grody beef sunday get sunday and forgotten star brewing yeah make sure you go to grody beef sign up for i that. got get, most get of them yourself some meat uh thank you guys for listening we'll be back uh monday on the patreon or next friday this exact uh, show you're listening to right now. Bye. Gleeman.